Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the world of wine, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to continue our focus on California by looking at the different regions of the state, which produces around about 90% of all the wine made in the USA. So California's climate can be roughly divided into three zones, running laterally, rather like Chile's. Along the coast is where most of the high-quality regions are found, and that's because of the cooling influence of the Pacific Ocean. And breezes and fog come in from the ocean, particularly in the morning, and that cools everything down. The climate is Mediterranean, moderate to warm, and that means long, dry, warm summers with optimal growing conditions. The winters are where the rain falls, or at least it should be. Uh, Recent years have seen uh, drought conditions because rain has not fallen as much as it should have done, but generally that's how the climate should work. And so this combination of long, dry, warm summers, rain falling in the winter, and the cooling conditions of the Pacific Ocean produces some of the best wine in California. As you go further inland, it quickly becomes much hotter, and the climate turns to continental. And this is where the bulk wine of California is made, the high-volume, inexpensive wine, and it's called Central Valley. And the soils here are very fertile, it's hot, really hot during the summer, irrigation will be used, and the fruit produced will be quite easy, ripe, uh, grows very quickly, and lacking complexity or quality, So, but perfect for inexpensive wine. And machine harvesting and lots of uh, modern technology will be used to produce these wines at high volume and lower expense. There is some quality wine produced in Central Valley around Lodi, where there's slight cooling influence coming in from the ocean and also the Sacramento Delta. Uh, But generally the best wines here are going to come from Old Vines, uh, Old Vines Zinfandel in particular. But it is hot here and the wines are going to be quite robust and a little bit rustic as well. Also some Chenin Blanc is grown here in the AVA of Clarksburg, which is of decent quality. As you go further inland again, we find the mountain range Sierra Nevada. And this divides California from the state of Nevada. And altitude is very high here. This is actually where Californians go skiing during the winter, where there is plenty of snow. And so there is uh, some good quality wine grown in the Sierra foothills, as as the uh, general region is called, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountain range. And this is where the gold rush first um, happened back in 1849-1850, and there's still plenty of historical gold rush uh, memorabilia and monuments uh, in the Sierra foothills. And of course, vines were planted there when the miners... uh, first moved there. So some old vines, Zinfandel and other great varieties grown in the Sierra foothills, but it's also been the focus of renewed plantings as land is much cheaper and also there's definitely the potential for good quality because um, of elevation, because of altitude. So it is hot here but the higher you go up you get more diurnal temperature variation, much cooler nights as well as the hot sunny days. And the grapes that excel here are arguably Rhone varieties such as uh, Grenache and Morvedre maybe Syrah, but it could be a little too warm for Syrah. But it's a place for experimentation, also white room varieties as well. And it's going to be interesting to see where this region goes, because it definitely has the potential for some good quality. Also, Zinfandel is grown here as well, because of the historical connections. But let's focus on the regions which California is most known for, starting with Napa Valley, perhaps the most famous region in California. And Napa Valley is very small. They like to boast that it accounts for just 4% of all wine made in California and 0.4% of all wine made in the world, as if these numbers actually really mean anything. But in the US, size matters. So being able to say how small Napa Valley is, and yet renowned around the world 
is a point of uh, great acclaim for Napa Valley. So how small is it in, in fact? It's just about eight kilometers wide at its widest point. So that's a very narrow valley. And then going up, it's about 50 kilometers in length. So it's a very small valley enclosed by two um, medium-sized mountain ranges. To the west is the Mayacamas Mountains, which divide Napa Valley from the Pacific Ocean. So providing some protection from the Pacific, but allowing some fog in as well. And then to the east are the Vaca Mountains, which separate Napa Valley from Central Valley. And if you drive from Napa Valley through the Vaca Mountains into uh, Solano County, which is the next county, it increases the temperature by several degrees, even though it's only a 45 minute drive. So it goes from warm to really hot. So Napa Valley really benefits from these the, the, the conditions that the mountain ranges produce. The coolest part of Napa Valley is the southern tip of Napa Valley, which is Carneros AVA, which actually straddles Napa and Sonoma counties. And this receives influence from San Pablo Bay, which is south of Napa. And this is, um, separates Napa from San Francisco. And San Francisco summers are pretty cool. And so the cooling influence of San Pablo Bay is quite strong. And so Carneros is cooler. And then those breezes which are, and fog, which is coming up from San Pablo Bay, move up Napa Valley, gradually dissipating. And so the AVAs get gradually warmer as you go further north until you get to St. Helena, which is just north of the center of Napa Valley, which is the hottest AVA in the valley, where it doesn't receive the cooling influence from San Pablo Bay. And it can get really baking hot during the day. And then just north of St. Helena is Calistoga, which also gets extremely hot, but the nights are a little bit cooler, and there's some influence coming around the Mayacamas Mountains from the ocean, though it's very hard to feel, perhaps more so at night than during the day. So that's the, the valley floor, as it's called, and here the soils are alluvial, and it's pretty easy growing conditions, but the soils can be quite dry and quite rocky, and Napa also boasts it has more soil types than the entirety of France, and so that does produce um, some more intense growing conditions for the vines, but the fruit grown will be quite ripe and forward. And then there are also vineyards grown on the mountain ranges, the Mayacamas and the Vaca Mountains, and these are called mountain wines because they have a noticeably different uh, structure than the valley floor wines, a bit more tannic and maybe slightly more green and herbaceous as well, and a bit more intense. Or different styles, uh, which style you prefer really depends on your taste, but some people will definitely favour one over the other. So Napa Valley is extremely famous, it's also extremely expensive. To invest in Napa Valley now you don't have to be just a millionaire, you probably have to be a billionaire because land is so expensive and the wines are expensive um, as a consequence. And that's what Napa Valley is, it's a luxury item mainly consumed by um, wealthy consumers who want to uh, kind of show off through their wine collection across the US and also China is a big market as well. There is some good value wine grown in Napa Valley, usually by people who have owned the land since the 1970s and don't have to uh, pay the same for their land that uh, newcomers have to pay, but uh, you have to really be in the know about those wines. 40% of all Napa Valley is planted to Cabernet Sauvignon, and then there's also Chardonnay, particularly in Carneros, which is going to be on a fuller-bodied style, we talked about Chardonnay in the previous episode, it all depends on the producer. Going west of Napa Valley is Sonoma County, and this is much larger than Napa, though it has roughly the same amount of AVAs, so really um, much more spread out. So an AVA in the US is an American viticultural area, and for the AVA to be on the label, it has to be 85% from that AVA. Uh, but apart from that, the rules are very loose, and AVA is kind of quite, quite frustrating in the way they are constructed. So, for example, in Sonoma, there is northern Sonoma, 
which sounds quite specific, but in fact it's a large AVA which covers most of uh, Sonoma's AVAs, and it's created solely for Gallo, the huge Central Valley producer, which produces a lot of inexpensive wine, and they just wanted to put a more regionally specific AVA on their label, hence Northern Sonoma. And then there's also Sonoma Coast, which as it suggests, is next to the coast, but this is a huge AVA, and the, the range of wines produced in Sonoma Coast has led people to come up with the term Extreme Sonoma Coast, or True Sonoma Coast, or West Sonoma Coast, actually referring to wines which are grown by the coast, as they should be, because the Sonoma Coast AVA stretches quite far inland. So the best wines of Sonoma Coast, grown with a strong ocean influence, are Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and these will be quite restrained, um, intense wines, quite unlike the perception that people have of California. As you go further inland, the wines get a bit fruitier and a bit riper and a bit richer, but not having that same intensity to them, although they can still be quite good quality. Inland from Sonoma Coast is Russian River Valley, and this is also known for its Pinot Noir and its Chardonnay, but particularly Pinot Noir. And this is a relatively warm area, but it does receive the fog in the morning from the Pacific Ocean, which cools things down considerably, and that's why good quality Pinot Noir can be grown. And the Pinot Noir grown here will be quite fruity, quite perfumed, aromatic, and a definite cola element to it. Coming further inland again is Dry Creek Valley and Alexander Valley. Dry Creek Valley, as the name suggests, is quite dry and quite warm, although the name Dry, dry Creek or Arroyo Seco is um, found all over California. But it gives an indication of the climate in Dry Creek Valley, and very good Zinfandel is produced here, as well as very good Cabernet Sauvignon. Alexander Valley is perhaps more famous, known for its Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't particularly like Cabernet Sauvignon from Alexander Valley. I think it's a bit too, bit too easy and a bit, bit flabby. But it produces uh, wines at pretty good value, particularly compared to other Cabernet Sauvignons grown in California. North of Sonoma County is Mendocino County, and this is a bit more rustic and remote. It's the best sparkling wine in California is produced here by Roderer Estates, which is owned by Louis Roderer, the champagne producer. The climate here can get very hot during the day, but also very cool during the night, so it's a lot of diurnal temperature variation. It also depends on how near the vineyards are to the coast, and also the altitudes, some high altitude vineyards planted in Mendocino for more diurnal temperature variation. Perhaps the most interesting wines coming from Mendocino, apart from the sparkling wine, is Old Vine Carignan. And again, a similar trend to Chile, this warm climate with what's considered a fairly low quality grape variety, which has high yields and astringent tannins. But when it's old vines, it gets really much higher quality, much more intense and structured. And so there's some interesting old vine Carignan coming from um, Mendocino, which may be a trend to look out for. And there's also some very good Pinot Noir in pockets in Mendocino, all depending on the vineyard's location. The east of Mendocino is Lake County, and back in the 19th century, there was more wine produced in Lake County than in Napa Valley, uh, but Napa Valley superseded it, particularly because of the train connection between Napa and San Francisco. But people are beginning to plant here again, uh, because the land is much cheaper than Napa, and you can produce some similar uh, styles of wine, and also some good wines from Rome varieties like Movedra. The big danger here is fire. Um, Lake County is quite prone to wildfire, and that of course makes it quite difficult and dangerous to grow grapes. So these four counties together are called um, the North Coast, and you may find that on a label if uh, the wines come from all four counties. Going further south of San Francisco, we have the uh, Central Coast, and we have Santa Cruz Mountains, which is where Mon Ridge's Montebello Vineyard is located. And so the potential for high quality wine here is, is very good, 
except that it's been um, overgrown by Silicon Valley, which is located around the city of San Jose. So it's very difficult for expansion here. But so you can get some very good wines made from Cabernet Sauvignon, also Pinot Noir, um, depending on where the vineyard is located and the coastal influence. Further south of Santa Cruz is Monterey, which is where the most Chardonnay is produced in California. And again, the consistency of Monterey is good, though it rarely reaches really high quality. But it's good, consistent Chardonnay and also Pinot Noir, and maybe also some Rhone varieties as well. Moving south of Monterey, you get to San Luis Obispo and Paso Robles. And these are interesting AVAs, Paso Robles in particular, planted back, first planted back in the 1790s. It was a region basically for Zinfandel, really big, robust, hearty Zinfandel. But in the 1980s, people began to focus on Rhone varieties, and that continued into the 90s, and Paso Robles has really pushed on since then and grown immeasurably, producing really high-quality wines from Mourvedre, Grenache, and white Rhone varieties. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is still widely planted here, and it's good quality, but it's the Rhone varieties which are more, much more interesting. I know when I first visited Paso Robles, I didn't know too much about it. I was only going there because one of my favourite producers, Tablas Creek, is based there, so I thought I'd visit the region. And I sat down and I had this really uncanny, eerie feeling that I was in the town of Orange, which is really near Chateauneuf-de-Pape. And then I went tasting, and all the wine, all the best wines were from Rhone varieties. It's a similar climate to the Southern Rhone, hence my uncanny association with the region. And the best wines of Paso Robles are usually produced to the west of the region. There's now 11 AVAs in Paso Robles. They're really trying to emphasise the, the terroir of Paso Robles and how it varies subtly within the region. But the best ones, because it's really warm and dry here, and the lack of rain can be an issue. But with a stronger coastal influence, uh, produces the highest quality wines, in my opinion. And then going further south again, things kind of get turned on its head because um, in Santa Maria and Santa Barbara counties, we actually have some cooler climates, even though it's further south than Paso Robles, which is very warm and we're getting towards Los Angeles. And that's again because of the ocean, which has a strong cooling influence on these regions. And in fact, Santa Rita Hills AVA, just inland from Santa Barbara, the city, is the coolest AVA in California, so really unexpected, and that's because it really traps the breezes which are coming in from the ocean as well as the fog. And so there's some very good quality Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and also Syrah grown in these regions. They were only first planted back in the early 1980s. It's a very new region, but it's quickly established a, a good reputation for itself. The Pinot Noirs are going to be quite fruity and floral and perfumed, but very balanced and very structured as well. And of course, the Chardonnay does depend on the producer. Generally, malolactic fermentation is going to be used. It's going to be quite creamy, but it has refreshing acidity as well. So those are the different regions of California. A lot of variety, still a lot of experimentation in these regions because some of them are quite young. Well, regions like Napa and Sonoma are much more established and have more consumer familiarity. So it's going to be really interesting to see where California goes. The US market is one that is growing as more people begin to drink wine. So there's a lot of untapped markets around the country to be um, investigated and different regions will emerge according to price and style. So thank you for listening. That was California. Next episode will be Oregon. This is Matthew and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.